You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 669 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland. It is Saturday evening. Um, if you missed it, I did record a podcast unexpectedly last night after the game on Friday when the Hawks were very competitive and could have won on the road in Indiana. Um, and that podcast uh, was not one that I promised. I said that I wasn't going to record tonight. I did promise a podcast, and frankly, I'm upset that I promised a podcast because this game was terrible. And uh, here we are to talk about it because I promised you and because um, I have to do it because nobody else is going to. So here we are talking about a 158 to 111 loss by the Hawks. Yes, you are hearing that correctly. If you missed this game, if you were out and about on a Saturday night or with with your family or traveling um, for Thanksgiving stuff, um, be thankful that you missed this game and I will do my best to catch catch you up on what happened here. But um, the Cliff's Notes version is that the Hawks were absolutely terrible, and the Rockets were unconscious for a lot for a large part of this game. And uh, as I said, I think yesterday on the podcast as well as earlier in the week, this is a bad, bad, bad spot for the Hawks. That is not a full blown excuse. It's sort of an explanation to some degree. Not even I, as someone who was preaching how bad of a spot this was for Atlanta before the game started, envisioned a forty seven point loss. So no excuses there to a certain extent, but. Um, if you were going to draw it up, this probably was a good spot to get blasted based on the schedule. Three games in four nights, including the last two on the road. The Hawks got into Houston at about 2 a.m. Central time, um, I guess this morning, as we're recording this on Saturday morning. So the stars were aligned, and then the Rockets had it going to make it even worse. So with that said, um, 10, straight lose, uh, t- 10 straight losses for this Hawks team, as well as 16 out of the last 18. Pretty brutal. They were 14-point underdogs in this game, and uh, yeah, didn't come close to even approaching that number for the entirety of the second half. Um, one note before we get started here, Cam Reddish missed this game with a left wrist sprain, the same one that's been bothering him for about the last week or so. I'm not sure if there's an update on that. Having not been in Houston, we'll see if he's available on Monday. That was kind of a surprise, at least in my mind, he didn't play here. He was, he was listed as questionable early in the day and then downgraded to doubtful and then eventually to out. And the Hawks elected to start Alan Crabb, who was brutal in this game, um, in his place. Um, worth noting, by the way, that Houston wasn't exactly at full strength either. They, they didn't have Clint Capella in this game, who is probably their third best player. Eric Gordon is also on the shelf for them. So I know there's an obvious baked-in um, excuse for the Hawks right now with Collins and Herter on the shelf here. But if you're being honest and down the middle here, the Rockets were without three, uh, two of their top four players as well in this game. Obviously, Houston is still a better roster with James Harden and Russell Westbrook and the better supporting cast. But still, it wasn't like Houston was at full strength in this spot either. So kind of rough. Um, okay, let's get to the game here. Um, at the outset, the Hawks actually played decently in the first few minutes of this game. And then from that point forward, it was uh, pretty much all Rockets. Um Alan Crabb made a three on the first trip of the game to uh, start things off with a little bit of a positive spin. And the Hawks were actually up 5-2. to two. By the way, Crabb had missed his um, 15 of the last 16 threes that he, att- that he had attempted before this game. He was 2-5 of five in this spot. So a little bit better from Allen, but still nothing great. 
Um, but a 5-2 lead quickly evaporated with a 12-0 run by the by the Rockets to go up by a score of 14-5. Um, the Hawks to get it back to four briefly in the first quarter, then another stretch of 7-0 by the Rockets to make it a double-digit game. Um, a hilarious stretch of bad defense on both ends of the floor that was prompted by uh, they uh, sort of followed up by a timeout by Mike D'Antoni because he was frustrated with his uh, team's lack of effort defensively. But obviously the Hawks were pretty bad in that same thing. Um, when the when the game was still competitive, I was making lineup notes as I always do on the podcast. They went to Lopez went to Ty Wallace, um, sort of in place of, of Reddish as, as as part of the rotation. But the Hawks played a twelve man rotation in the first quarter of this game when the game was still competitive. All twelve guys that were active played in the first quarter. Um, they could not score with a lineup that had Ty Wallace, Bembry, and Turner on the court. That's just never, ever going to work, particularly with a center on the court as well. It was Bruno Fernando who's probably the most versatile offensive center of the three in terms of his athleticism as sort of a smaller, more athletic option, but still uh, no chance for that lineup to score. And then shortly after that, they went to a lineup that basically can't guard anybody in the world. Once they brought Trey Young back in, um, they played him with Chandler Parsons and Alan Crabb on the court together. That isn't going to work either. I know they could sort of outscore teams, but um, maybe not maybe not quite as jarring to see because Trey Young is the best player on the team. So him being on the court um, at least helps that lineup a little bit. But they had an offense-only lineup and a defense-only lineup, neither of, neither of whom uh, actually worked in this game. In fact, the Hawks had a three-minute stretch without Trey Young on the court in the first quarter, and they scored two points. That is not, um, I guess, indicative in terms of a big enough sample size to matter, but Given everything that we've seen so far this year, it was not a surprise to see the Hawks not be able to score when Trey left the court, particularly when he was replaced by Wallace, Turner, and Bembry playing together. The first quarter was a microcosm of, of things to come. The Rockets scored 38 points. It took a 17-point lead. Um, Houston shot 71% from the floor in the first quarter and a 158 offensive rating. The Hawks had six turnovers and an 87 offensive rating in the first quarter, and things got worse from there somehow. Um, I'm not kidding. Uh, the second quarter... Uh, by score was not as bad as the first or third, but still felt pretty brutal in some ways for Atlanta. They actually played Evan Turner with Trey Young to open the second quarter, um, but basically that was the only thing that was worth noting there. There was a double technical foul on Russell Westbrook and Melvin Hunt, the Hawks' lead assistant coach. Uh, that was a, kind of a bizarre one. And then a flagrant one foul moments later on Isaiah Hartenstein against Trey Young. He kind of clotheslined him in half court. That was, a, that was a pretty ugly move. I was glad it was called a flagrant foul on Hartenstein. The Hawks did, did get it back to 11 briefly after, after trailing by 11 uh, by 18 points because Trey hit six free throws in a, in a short period of time. But then from there... A 7-0 run by Houston, and then another 9-1 run, so 16-1 overall to uh, extend the margin up to 59-33. to And at that point in, ga- in the game, it wasn't over then, but in retrospect, it was over. Because at 26, the Hawks were never going to be able to come back in that spot. The Hawks did, get it, did score 7 points in a row to get it down to 21 briefly, but that was the lowest point of the lead the entire rest of the game. It was up in the 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, spoiler alert, um, as we get going here. The Hawks trailed by as many as 31 before halftime. At the half, the Rockets were shooting 65% from the floor and 60% from three, with James Harden having 31 points. They had a 157 defensive rating. It was the They scored 81 points in the first half. That was their highest scoring half of the season, and they nearly matched it in the second half with 57. So, sorry, with 77. That is... Uh, yeah, impossibly bad defense, and and also coupled with good offense. It wasn't just the Hawks, but still. Uh, Trey had 20 in the first half, but aside from Alex Lynn, who had 10 points on 5-5 five five shooting in the first half, that was kind of it for bright spots for Atlanta. The rest of the bench, besides Alex Lynn, was 0-10 of 10 from the floor and scoreless in the first half. And that was six different players um, going 0-10 of 10 and scoreless um, before halftime. 
it didn't get much better from there. Uh, the third quarter was when the game officially ended. I guess it was not quite over because the Hawks were still within 30 at, at the halftime break. If, if I'm trying to be charitable a little bit here, they were not um, charitable in the third quarter. Um, the Hawks were the first four points to have a little bit of momentum, it felt like, but then an immediate 11-0 run by the Rockets to go up by 36 Yep, 36 in the early portion of the third quarter. Uh, they got the fourth foul on Damian Jones. They went to Vince Carter at center briefly in the third quarter, which was kind of a white flag scenario in my opinion. Um, Harden had 51 points in the first 25 minutes that he played. At that point, the Hawks only had 60 points. So it was 60-51, Hawks versus Harden. Uh, Atlanta trailed by 47 with about six minutes left in the third quarter at 107-60. to they trailed by 50 with three minutes to go in the third quarter after Harden had his 53rd point of the game, and the Hawks were down by 54 at the end of three quarters. In fact, they were down by 58 at one point in the third quarter. 54 was the uh, end of three-quarter margin. Harden had 60 points. They were force-feeding him the ball down the stretch of the third quarter. I know Bob Rathman and Dominique Wilkins were pretty bothered by that. I wasn't as bothered by it, but it was certainly kind of comical in the way that Houston was going and trying to get Harden points. Harden even had sort of the famous... Um, Pseudo celebration, I guess not celebration, when he was informed that he did not have his career high at the end of the third quarter. Uh, I guess he wanted to stay in or something like that. Um, it was kind of comical. That's that's where I leave it from there. It didn't. I'm not someone who gets easily offended too much by that stuff. Um, it was sort of blatant and flagrant what what the what the Rocks were, were trying to do. Uh, Harden was ridiculous though, which is worth pointing out now. I'll spend some time on him for a second here. Um, as a team, Houston was 19 of 32 from three at the end of the third quarter, but Harden has had the fewest field goal attempts ever. In a 60-point game, 24 field goal attempts in a 60-point performance. He was ridiculous. 16 of 24 from the floor, 8 of 14 from 3, 20 of 23 from free, from the free throw line. He also had 8 assists, by the way. He was plus 50 in 31 minutes of play. Um, he was he was ridiculous in this game. The Hawks had no answer for him. Coming into the game, there's only two guys on the roster, active roster, that had any chance of trying to slow him down. That was Hunter and Bembry. Hunter was terrible on Harden, I thought, in this game. I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely pro-Hunter, but he was very bad uh, for most of this game. And then Bembry didn't have much of an answer either. They, they tried Jabari on him at times. They just tried to get kind of everything uh, on Harden. They, they just couldn't stop him. He, he had it going, and the Hawks had no answers whatsoever. The end of the third quarter was kind of painful in the way that they definitely were trying to get him numbers, but other than that, he was just masterful in this game and ended up um, sort of being a big-time dent in what was uh, put for the Hawks. Um, to the fourth quarter, briefly, the only, thing, only things that I wanted to say about the fourth quarter, um, Trey Young sat, the, sat for the last six and a half minutes of the third quarter and then came back in and played almost seven minutes straight in the fourth. Um, I know that opinions vary on this. I heard from people that I actually trust that weren't upset about this. I thought it was pretty silly to see Trey Young play almost seven minutes straight in the fourth quarter, down 50-plus points on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. I understand if you're trying to get him reps, and I think um, there's something to be said for getting young guys reps, particularly Hunter like came alive a little bit in the fourth quarter. Um, Trey did not need to be playing, in my opinion, on the second night of a back-to-back -back when he is the sun, moon, and the stars for this team. I know it doesn't matter because he, he, he didn't get injured, which is a good thing. I am happy about that. But uh, there's a little bit of increased risk there in a game that's a blowout when he's, I'm sure, tired after playing the night before. I just don't see the reason to bring him back in there, and particularly for as long as they did. They didn't need to play him there. They had bodies. It wasn't like the Hawks had seven guys, and they just couldn't, and they just couldn't get by without him. They had 12 guys available. They had Ty Wallace. They had Evan Turner. They could have played Bembry at point guard. Whatever you wanted to do there. The score didn't matter at that point in time. I do. I sort of understand the angle that you want to get him going a little bit, but he was the only guy that had it going. So it wasn't like he was bad and you want to get him some some juice 
just flowing into Monday. He was the only player that actually had anything going offensively. So you didn't. You, I guess having him on the court allows others to flourish a little bit more and get some confidence back. He sort of maybe led to Hunter getting it going a little bit in the fourth quarter. If you're trying to be charitable, but um, I will put my flag on this one. I thought that was pretty silly to see Trey Young back in the game. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme, which is something that, that, a, that a friend of mine pointed out to me offline. I understand that. I really do. I wasn't incensed about it. I wasn't like throwing a temper tantrum, but I thought it was kind of silly. And I'll just leave it there for now. For now. Um, but you know, Trey was very good. We'll come back to him later. He was the only bright spot offensively. I guess maybe Alex Len, but yeah, that was it. And Trey uh, had, had a good game. Nobody else did. Alas. Um, last thing here, I mentioned this a second ago, but Hunter um, was, I thought, the worst game of his career, honestly, for the first three quarters. He did have some nice moments in the fourth, though. A couple of, garbage, a couple of garbage time threes, um, but did have a nice drive to his right. Had it going a little bit in the fourth. If you want to be positive, that was one place to go for DeAndre. Um, big picture stuff, though, before we get to the individual player um, evaluations, as we always do on the podcast. This is the most points ever allowed by the Hawks in franchise history in a regulation game. You might remember this game last year. There was a crazy one. There was a, a quadruple overtime game against the Bulls in which Trey Young was masterful last season. Um, Hawks allowed 168 in that game, but four overtimes is an extra 20 minutes of basketball. That's almost a full half, so I don't care about that particular number. So if you throw that out the window, which you should in this game, this is the worst defensive performance in the history of the Atlanta Hawks franchise. They, they allowed 158 in this spot. The previous record was 156. This is only the fourth time in franchise history, and that includes overtime, that they've allowed 150-plus in a game. I know the pace was pretty fast. I guess the team like Houston, they were taking a lot of threes. So this, this is one of those games where you, you're kind of more prone to allowing um, gaudy numbers. But considering the fact that Houston didn't even play hard in the fourth quarter whatsoever to set the franchise record for, for futility on defense is pretty brutal and kind of speaks for itself. Also, this is the second time within two weeks. It was exactly two weeks from, from today, actually. Um, that the Hawks allow, uh, lost by 49 points in Los Angeles to the Clippers. So now they have 49 and 47-point losses within two weeks of each other. That is very, very bad. I'm looking right now. It was not updated as I started recording this podcast. I'm going to try to refresh right now. The Hawks came into this game 29th in net rating. Um, they are certainly going to be 30th now after this game, given the fact that they were actually pretty close with, with Golden State. Obviously, it's one game, and it's sort of an outlier, but um, Atlanta's numbers are really, really bad, and uh, Monday is almost certainly going to be a matchup of the two worst teams in the NBA in terms of net rating. Um, so yeah, get, get your tickets now for the, for the game. Uh, yeah, going to be kind of brutal. Uh, alas, though, the defensive rating, I mean, it's jarring to see this in print. After 48 minutes and a fourth quarter that was all garbage time, still a 153 offensive rating for the Rockets. If you're not familiar with that number, I know I cite it all the time. That means the Rockets averaged 1.53 points per possession. That means they scored 1.53 points every time they had the ball for the entire game. That is incomprehensibly bad. It's just for for comparison, the best offenses in the entire league on a on a per possession basis average about 1.1, 1.12, something like that. Some somewhere in the low point in the low 1.1 range in terms of offensive scoring output. On a per possession basis, this game 1.53 for the Rockets. So, yeah, speaks for itself. Offensively, the numbers for the Hawks actually looked okay by the end of this game. Um, I will caution people against that because the fourth quarter was all garbage time. They scored 38 points in the fourth quarter. The first three quarters, it was as bad as you might imagine it being. Offensively, they weren't as bad as they were defensively. But again, aside from Trey Young, there was not much to talk about offensively in the first three quarters when the, when the Rockets were even a little bit trying. So. No real bright spots aside from Young and Len, and uh, yeah, there we go. Spoiler alert for the rest of the podcast, that's going to be all I will say on that. So, I guess one more time, worth pointing this out, the Hawks have now lost 10 games in a row 
16 out of 18. I know they're without Herter. I know they're without Collins. I said this, I said this on Twitter, but I'll say it again now before we, before we get to the individual part of this podcast. Um, Herter and Collins will definitely help things. Those guys are good at basketball, particularly Collins. They just absolutely need his two-way impact and his physicality on the interior. With that said, if you're looking for those guys to fix every problem, you're going to be looking for a long time because they, um, they're very good at basketball, both of them. This is not like you're getting two you know, superstar players back at the same time who are going to make everything better. These guys are good. They're not going to change your world in every, marginal, in every um, I guess, every possible way. There are a lot of guys on this roster not playing well. There are a lot of guys on this roster that are not um, as good as the roles that they are placed in right now. Some of that will be fixed by pushing them all down a little bit in the pecking order. Because the pecking order suddenly becomes Trey Young number one, and then you have the uh, you know the two through four of Collins, Parker, and Herder in some order. I think Collins is the number two clearly in terms of just overall impact. But yeah, it will help a lot of things, but it was not going to save the day um, in this spot or a lot of a lot of the spots over the last ten games. So worth pointing that out if you're trying to cling on to hope for the, for the future. I understand that totally because the Hawks have an easier schedule down the stretch. They also have a lot more talent when, when those two guys get back, but. At the same time, this is a bad basketball team right now, and um, yeah, I'll leave it there. After a quick word from our sponsors, we'll come right back to talk about the individual players in this game. All right, we're back, and uh, this will be a quick one, I think, uh, because the individual stuff was pretty ugly in this spot. I will start on a high note on the bench, and that's Alex Lynn. 15 minutes, 12 points, 6 of 7 from the floor. He was the only center on the team that had any idea what to do defensively in this spot. It's another reminder that Alex Lynn is the best center on the team. I have a broken record on this. I know right now I say this on every podcast or always close to every podcast, but he should be starting on Monday. If he's not, it's a mistake in my opinion, and I will leave it there for now. Um, other than that, the bench was really bad, man. <laughs> it was really brutal. Bruno Fernando had some nice moments along the way, particularly in the fourth quarter. Six points, three rebounds. He wasn't jarringly terrible. It wasn't like it was a, a circle this game was terrible for Bruno, but he just didn't do too, too much. Chandler Parsons played for the first time in a while. Um, you can see the thought process of Chandler Parsons, offensively in particular. The skill set is there, but still 1-5 of five from the, from the uh, field in this game. Had two assists and definitely saw the ball, um, saw the floor pretty well offensively, but defensively it's a mess right now. He just can't move. And uh, minus 16 in those 16 minutes. You know, again, the theory of him makes some sense, but until he can get uh, kind of get going in terms of his athleticism and his length and um, sort of using that, he's, for me, a little bit unplayable at this point in time. I think the Hawks kind of agree with that, even if you can sort of see how it might work eventually. Um, elsewhere, Bembry was brutal in this game. I uh, I defended DeAndre Bembry on Friday night when a lot of people did not enjoy that take. I thought he was actually pretty good on the whole on Friday. On Saturday, he was awful. Uh, this is one of the worst games that he's had this season. Five points, did have four assists, but five rebounds. Uh, one of nine from the floor, 0 of three from three. Particularly in the first half, I thought he was just kind of out of control and bad offensively. Defensively, he has some nice moments along the way, but it wasn't like he could really do anything, and no one was good on, no one, honestly, no one was good on defense in this game. Maybe you could talk me into Alex Lynn, kind of, but um, no one on the roster was good on defense in this spot, and that extends to Bembry. So he was bad. He was the, he was the worst plus minus on the team, aside from Jabari Parker. He was minus 31, and uh, he kind of earned that one. So, again, after I defended him on Friday, I thought he actually played pretty decently. Um, tonight was not the case. He was bad in this game. Uh, Ty Wallace. A tough spot for him. He hadn't played in a long time in terms of competitive portion. He was asked to play in this spot. It wasn't like he was um, good. I didn't think he was embarrassingly bad, but he's just not very good right now in, in terms of overall when he can't shoot it and the way that he's not being guarded as an offensive player. Vince Carter struggled mightily, I thought, four points. Um, one of five from the floor, two rebounds, two assists. You can tell he's kind of limited at this point in time um, athletically and, phys and physically around the rim and uh, overmatched at times. He was not very good in this game. And Evan Turner had a rough night as well. Did have four assists. He was one of the few guys who was moving the ball 
as a passer, but 0-4 from the floor, 0-1 from three. Had a steal and a block. I thought Turner was uh, at least competitive defensively. He was one of the few guys who at least tried to, to be in the way defensively, but offensively didn't have too much going in this game. Um, to the starters, Alan Crabb, as I said before, really struggled. He made his first shot on the first possession of the game, but then from there it didn't do much else. He was pretty bad uh, on the whole. And uh, I've said this before, I think the Hawks could use his shooting, but he doesn't do really anything else, even at a competent level at the moment. I think he's still getting his legs back to some degree after a lengthy absence, but Crabb needs to be in a smaller role, obviously. I think that's not a, spe- a secret. They do need a shooting, but um, the shooting can only take you so far. He's struggling right now. Damian Jones, 14 minutes of play, 8 points for him, 4 fouls. He got in foul trouble pretty quickly on bo- in both halves. He was not good defensively in any way, shape, or form. And in a running joke here, uh, zero defensive rebounds for Damian Jones in this game. In fact, the three centers had one defensive rebound. Total. Yes, total. 44 minutes, 44 minutes from the three centers and one defensive rebound. Um, the Hawks, it, this is only one part of the equation here because the Houston, because the Rockets shot the heck out of the ball throughout the night. But Houston, when they were actually missing, allow, uh, grabbed 38 percent of their offensive rebounds they had 13 offensive rebounds that's a really really bad percentage of defensive rebounding from the Hawks so if you're trying to find anything else in terms of positivity that's not that's not a place to look because they could not rebound the ball either after um, some well-documented struggles in the recent past in that particular area um elsewhere DeAndre Hunter I said this before but struggled mightily in the first three quarters I am a big Hunter fan I've been uh I would say I've defended him quite a bit. Um, the fourth quarter was some nice signs after Harden was off the court, but I don't know if he was blanked by Harden. I don't know if he was tired on the third game in four nights as a rookie. I don't know what happened with DeAndre in this game, but, man, he was bad. Uh, first uh, In the first three quarters, I think he was something like one of nine from the floor. Um, defensively, it was a mess. You know, Harden is obviously pretty unguardable, but it was the same thing on repeat for Hunter with, without adjustment. I'm not sure if there was a scouting report thing or what happened there with DeAndre, but this is a game where... He was just—he looked like he looked like a rookie, which is something that Hunter does not always look like a rookie. He did in this game. He looked overmatched. He looks bad. Um, it's one data point. I'm not worried about Hunter based on this game, but man, he was bad. Um, elsewhere, Jabari Parker, 11 points. He tried to guard uh, Harden at times, which is an unfair matchup for Jabari to take on. He did okay when compared to everybody else, but that's not a, really a, a thing to, t- to hang your hat on. Um, 11 points. Five, five, eight, 5 of 8 from the floor in 20 minutes. This is not a Jabari Parker game by any stretch, and uh, he was treated as such. And then Trey Young was, uh, again, the only, the only offensive bright spot in this game. 37 points on 10 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 9 from 3, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Good to see Trey following up a big shooting night with another, with, with another one. You know, if there's any questions about his uh, shooting uptick from last year to this year in terms of efficiency, it is uh, being answered roundly. He came into this game at 38% from three and then made five of nine. He'll be somewhere up, up in the neighborhood of 39% for the season, I think, after this, maybe even closer to 40. He is cooking as a shooter right now, which is good to see. The passing was there as well. Uh, there are at least three or four assists that probably should have been there that were not finished by Trey. I have to say this out loud. He was terrible on defense in this game. Again, he was not alone by any stretch of the imagination. He was basically joined by everyone almost and being bad defensively, but he was notably bad defensively. Of course, he's the only player on the team that did anything offensively, so there's somewhat of a pass there, but uh, he was fantastic. I don't want to, it's not his fault that he came back in the game. I didn't love that, but that's not him. Like he didn't just walk on the court by himself. That was a coaching decision to put him back in the game in the fourth quarter. He came out and played with some, uh, with some vigor in the fourth, made some things happen. You can't, and you can't fault him for that. So another big game for Trey. Uh, he was the only bright spot again. And uh, there you go for the Hawks. So, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no spinning this one. You got blasted by, by 47 points. I did say this at the beginning of the podcast. I'll say it one more time now. This is a bad, bad, bad schedule spot for the Hawks. 
I thought in my head I was expecting a blowout loss, frankly. And I tweeted this during um, during the game, but before the game started, someone that I trust that's near the organization is the way I'll put that. Um, told me that this is either going to be a massive upset win for the Hawks or a blowout, sort of historic blowout loss uh, with no in-between. And obviously it was the latter. Uh, so that's someone who would have known this state of mind. I think just the, the nature of a travel situation where it's kind of just brutal getting into Houston overnight um, leads to that kind of result, and particularly when paired with Houston and the way they play with three-pointers and the fact that they were making shots in this game, it was basically over before it started. But... You can't lose by 47 points. That's not that's not excusable. They're, if they lost by 27 points, it would have been more excusable. And, it, and I would have said all that I've said so far with a little bit less venom about how bad, about how poorly they play. But when, when you're down 58 in the third quarter, there's no excusing that for an NBA basketball team. There was a lot of uh, bad performances up and down the roster in this game. And by the way, you know Monday's the game everyone circled, including myself, and I've said this a number of times, about the first time the Hawks are supposed to be favored this year in a game in Las Vegas against the Warriors on Monday. They probably still will be, but after this game, it, you know the Warriors are gonna have a better statistical profile than the Hawks are. And since since Collins and Herder went down, the Hawks have been the worst team in the NBA. Full stop. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but all the numbers will tell you that exact thing. Um, without Herder, without Herder and Collins, this has been the worst team in the NBA. They do have a star level player in Trey Young, which the Warriors don't really have right now. Um, Russell's not playing for them. D'Angelo Russell is out for the game on Monday. They have Draymond Green, of course, if he's able to play in that game. And obviously, this is a rare spot at the moment where the Warriors are, are not going to have more talent necessarily than the Hawks do. But uh, anything but assured a victory on Monday with the way the Hawks are playing right now. It is a, it is a favorable spot, and they have another pretty favorable one on, on Wednesday against Brooklyn. I know Brooklyn's playing pretty well, but that's not a team that's going to overwhelm you with, with talent without Kyrie if he doesn't play. But alas, Monday, circle that game on your calendar. The Hawks probably, probably will be favored. I'm not 100% sure anymore based on the way they played in this game and the way they played in the recent past. But yeah, put that one... Uh, That'll be the next time we talk about anything on the podcast. Barring a crazy development between now and Monday's game, I'm not going to record because I just recorded twice on Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully everybody appreciates the late night podcast here on Saturday and Sunday morning. But um, I do have a guest or two in the works over the next week or so. The Hawks have a long break between games on Wednesday through Sunday. And then I'm planning to be in Charlotte um, next Sunday for a road, a little, little road trip locked on Hawks podcast. So follow that away. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend about the show. I apologize for the... Uh, brutality of this game and this podcast because there's no other way to describe a game that's a 47 point loss so my apologies for the uh, pessimistic viewpoint and the overall I tried to throw some positive things in there along the way including again Trey Young was awesome in this game but other than that yeah that's, that's where we'll leave it for today again one more time please subscribe to the podcast please tell a friend about the show and we'll see everybody at the very latest on Monday night from State Farm Arena